So um, a, a number of the challenges that, that we are having as a, as a profession is, is how do we remain relevant? How do we ensure that in 10, 20, 30 years, we are not one of those professions which used to be around? Now, I personally believe that as technology changes, as disruption enters the traditional areas, as well as other areas that we're involved in, I do believe that there will always be a role for an actuary. Our ability to think and apply ourselves is, is definitely an asset. However, the way in which we do that needs to change. If we take some advice from Michael Dow, the founder of Dow, he said the only constant in our business is that everything is changing. We have to take advantage of change and not let it take advantage of us. And that's where I believe we as the actual profession are at. I think it's our responsibility to ensure that we change our skill sets where required, but also ensure that we leave the profession a better place than it was when we joined it. When we look at the way in which information, data, is changing, or as I like to refer to, is, is the evolution of data. There are a number of ways that we, waves that we've seen over time. Initially, there was the mainframe computer, it was servers, it was client information. Think back to ERPs, think back to SAP, IBM, and so forth. And ultimately, that was a system of record. And that started in 1950 to 1980. And it was really about trying to understand transactions, trying to understand the movement of information between different systems. Then, from the 1990s, there was the move into the wave two, which was really about a system of engagement. And that's when, for example, we had um, the internet, um, we had um, e-commerce, we had search engines. Google is only 20 years old. It's not that old. However, it's been part of our lives for so long that it feels like it's been around forever. Now we're moving into what we call the system of insight, where it is about interacting with more than just these base systems, these base billing systems, and linking in other things such as social media data, linking in um, Internet of Things, and so forth, which I believe is key in order to create additional data sets in order to create a safe environment, whether it's smart cities, whether it's about giving better patient outcomes from a healthcare point of view, or whether it's about giving a different experience as to how we shop and how we, uh, how we connect with each other as well as with broader organizations. Gaining an advantage, or more of a competitive advantage, we need to move beyond just interesting findings. And I think that's often the challenge that, that we have as, um, as data scientists, actuaries. It's about how to harness those in order to disrupt and leverage in order to have a data-driven insights and to take these and make better decisions in order to drive powerful outcomes. We do, however, know that there will always be barriers, barriers that don't allow us to achieve the outcomes that we want to have. One of these biggest barriers for change is change management. Um, recently, I, uh, I, I had a meeting with one of the big mining companies, 
And they've been incredibly progressive in terms of finding ways in which they can mine better, smarter, more effectively. And they implemented a whole bunch of sensors underground in order to identify if there are any movements in terms of the, the walls, in terms of dust levels, and so forth. And 18 months down the line, we are now in a position where um, they've basically stopped using that technology and gone back to spreadsheets. Now, when one starts to unpack why that happens, is because not everyone is ready for this change. Um, there may also be a situation where this, the technology is a little bit unreliable. So because it doesn't work one day, now all of a sudden it's poor technology, let's discard it and go back to what we know. But there's also an element of potentially mistrust of what it will show and how massaging of results can potentially paint the picture you want to paint rather than what's actually happening on the ground. And all these elements of, of hiding or changing or not embracing this information doesn't allow one in order to move forward and, and actually implement a far better, more effective way of doing things. There was a survey run by the Fortune 1000 companies in order to get a sense of how they're embracing advanced analytics, how they're embracing big data. And the interesting thing about it is 48% um, of them said that they found massive advantages of leveraging this information. However, the ability to implement it in their organizations was very limited. And the only areas where they really had success was in cost cutting, which is quite surprising. Um, if we, however, look at other elements, such as the way in which one generates additional revenue, um, the way in which one drives innovation, that is something that's far more difficult in order to implement. In addition to that, one of the biggest challenges that they found, or the biggest barriers that they personally found in their organization, was also the willingness to change. And um, I think that given the journey that we're going through as a profession, I do believe that we need to embrace this change because if we don't do it, um, it is really going to make our lives and our ability to be relevant in the future very, very, very difficult. So thank you so much. Um, what I wanted to do is just to give you a broad overview of where we are um, from an IAA perspective. And the committee asked me just to take us through this. So, as part of the um, IAA's Big Data Advanced Analytics Committee, we have been looking about how do we educate the broader profession? How do we ensure that we give skills to our professionals, both that are um, currently studying, so students, but also qualified actuaries? So what they, um, what they commissioned was a piece of work where we looked at the professions who have had some of these um, programs in place uh, or who have actually been implementing them to give a broad sense as to how one could um, leverage this going forward. The three societies um, which we focused on was the German Association of Actuaries, so that's of course um, DAV um, in Germany, then the Society of Actuaries and then CAS which is the Casualty Actuarial um, Society and Institute also in the US. We, we are aware that the French Institute also has a program. 
However, um, they haven't been able to share that with us, so the comparisons in terms of their program has not, not been available. The other reason why we, um, we did this piece of work was the IAA has been thinking about um, creating um, a designation, so an advanced analytics practitioner, um, similar to what we have Sierra. What we have, however, found is that um, in order to implement one of these programs, it's, it's likely to take quite a long time, as well as um, there's quite a bit of a disconnect between um, what the various societies believe is important. As an example, if we take, for example, uh, take the European um, societies, they generally believe that focusing on insurance is where we need to stay. Any industry outside of insurance is not something that they really that focused on. However, the Australians and the Americans are already doing quite a bit of work outside of the traditional insurance space, and they're very keen for us to push the envelope about how do we remain relevant or become relevant in industries that we are currently not participating in. So what I'm hoping to do now is just give a very high-level overview um, of, this, of, this of these programs and what they're currently focusing on. The presentations will be made available after the session, so um, one can definitely go into it in a little bit more detail. So um, the German Association of Actuaries was founded in 1993 and currently has um, over 5,000 members and is one of the biggest actual associations in the world. If we look at the Society of Actuaries, um, much larger, 28,000 actuaries, um, and having quite a steady growth rate of roughly 6% per annum. Um, then we have CAS Institute, which um, is basically a subsidiary of the Casual Actuarial Society, and they've been focusing on creating specific um, specialist credentials. So this is a very high-level overview of, of the various programs. Um, what you'll see is under DAV, they don't have anything specifically focusing on predictive analytics. However, they have incorporated the, um, the advanced analytics or more statistical methods in the base education program. Society of Actuaries has the predictive analytics certificate, while ICAS has the um, certified specialist in predictive analytics program. So if we um, have a look at DAV, we can see that um, they've incorporated their, their version of um, predictive analytics into the statistical methods that have been applied. They are also using R as their base, uh, um, base software um, in order to provide these, these solutions. Society of Actuaries also are being quite, a, uh, quite an important focus for them. They've incorporated it both into their base education program, so you'll see there um, they have predictive analytics as a, um, as a new subject um, in, their, in their base qualification, but then of course they also have the predictive analytics certificate touching on a number of things um, from data management, data design, um, and, and so forth. One of the other very important aspects that, that we've been debating at length is um, where does the role of an actuary start and where does the role of an actuary end? Where does the role of a data scientist start and where does the role of a data scientist end? Um, one of the things that I really like about the Society of Actuaries program 
is it touches on um, a number of elements, um, including data management, which I think is something that um, a number of us who have, have worked in this field realize that to get to the fun and sexy machine learning um, aspects of our work, you have to do the grunt work and get through the, the underlying um, data management component. What's also important here is touching on aspects around ethics and governance of data, which is becoming more and more important. And um, from an IAA point of view, we will be putting together a position paper uh, around professionalism and the, and the use of data um, within the profession in order to, to assess um, how we can ensure that our members um, don't get into trouble. ICAS um, has the Predictive Analytics and Data Scientist specific program. And um, you can see that they start off by having the um, casualty insurance fundamentals, moving over to visualization, predictive modeling, and then the case study. The case study I find to be quite interesting because it really takes the theory that has been learned in the previous programs and, and really f uh, allows the students to um, apply themselves. Currently, their programmers or their case studies that have been designed are focused on um, general insurance. However, they are very keen in order to look at other industries, um, such as telcos and so forth, where they, um, where they have actually considered um, partnering up with, with some of the other professions, um, such as Australia and SA, in order to see how we can support them. The other interesting part, of course, is the ethics and professionalism online course as to how to use data and information, which I think is, is absolutely vital in this time. We've then broken it down into the durations of the different programs, um, what type of um, exam or mode it is of, of delivery. So was it computer-based? Was it a paper exam? And, and so forth. You can see that the case study under ICAS is approximately a two-month program. However, in reality, it's proven to be much longer. So ICAS has given, um, I think the last time I spoke to them, they said that they would give up to six months for a um, practitioner in order to do the, the case study, to rather do it right, rather than um, pushing it through and at, at not meeting the, re the required levels of, of standards that, that are needed in order for them to, to be passed. You can also see that some of the, um, the exam programs are quite long. The five-hour exams is qu qu quite insane. I don't think that's in one session. It's in more than one. Um, then, of course, um, um, I'm just going to skip through this. I don't, um, you'll see the other interesting part is the use of multiple choice questions. So that's what um, MCQ is, um, specifically um, used in the Society of Actuaries in, in a number of their programs, and a lot of it being online courses to, to allow them to get access it, to this information. So quite similar to the Coursera type, type approach where study and learn when you can um, and in, in modules. ICAS um, is also quite similar with um, approximately 150 hours of self-study needed in order to be ready for the, for the respective exams, also using multiple choice questions where required. Um, 
So again, I mean, I think this, this gives one a sense in terms of the different ways in which they're applied. Uh, DAV taking the more traditional approach in terms of learning, while society as well as ICAS taking a slightly different approach. The other interesting thing is that the Society of Actuaries and ICAS um, are also open to non-actuaries. Um, you can see that um, both the Predictive Analytics Certificate under Society of Actuaries and ICAS um, allows non-actuaries to participate in their programs. Um, they only really need to become a member of ICAS if they want the, the accreditation, which I think is quite positive because it allows people who, are no, you know, who, who either um, don't want to continue with the traditional actuarial exams to consider a different path while still getting a professional um, a professional uh, qualification in the process, but also allows us to, to integrate, I think, a lot better with data scientists who are struggling to find a professional accreditation um, program for them to, to belong to. So I think this is very, um, very positive. Um, in addition, ICAS also allows um, more experienced practitioners to go through a certification process which allows you to, to get a qualification as a certified um, practitioner without having to go through the, the full process um, of doing all the exams. And I understand that that process is still on, ongoing. So hopefully that gives you a, a high-level overview of what's currently occurring. We know that um, from, a, from an ASA point of view, that the incorporation of um, more statistical methods as well as more advanced analytics will be coming into the education program from next year, as I understand. And it will be interesting to see how we are able to leverage off, um, off that experience that our students um, will be getting. So thank you, um, thank you for that. Um, are there any questions at this point on this presentation that anyone would like to ask? Hey, you gave a great breakdown of what's happening in Germany and the UK and uh, in America, but uh, at the end you just touched there is an education program that's happening in South, South Africa. So what is ASA doing to replicate what's happening overseas or to better to be like leaders in the field for wider fields? And can you give a bit more information just on that point? Is it just one course or what, what does you just showed us for all the international guys look for ASSA's pipeline. Thanks, Ashi. Just um, as far as the, the core syllabus is concerned, we follow the UK syllabus, which is changing next year. There's some big data in it, but it's certainly not at the level of these programs. It's something that I think was ongoing discussion here, and there's education seminar later in this week, where I'm sure mm -hmm. well, Ashi is speaking there, so it'll again be come on the table there. What we have done as far as the ICAS program is concerned, we signed last year or the year before a mutual recognition agreement with, um, with um, CAS, which is primarily for our general insurance actuaries. But any member of, of ASSA's has um, scoped through that agreement to sign up to the ICAS program, which um, is probably the best way to find more details is contact Conrad Backerberg in the Actuarial Society office as he's negotiated that arrangement for us. But it, it certainly looks a very worthwhile program. Any other questions? Maybe if I can also just add is that um, given that that, uh, that will be incorporated in the core syllabus, um, 
as a committee, we have been discussing how we can um, create more relevant um, education programs for qualified um, practitioners. And um, that is something that we are discussing. Um, so I know that in some of the sessional meetings in the past, we've had uh, demos of, of how one can, for example, program in Python and so forth. And performing more of those type of courses um, and seminars would be something that we, we're looking to do in the future. So if you do have any suggestions um, or, or comments that you'd like to, to leave with us, Please, please just drop us a note and um, we'll definitely consider that because ultimately we want to ensure that we, we help you remain relevant but also um, ensure that we address the elements that are, are most important for us to be successful in what we do on a daily basis.